Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And welcome to the Billboard Chart Free Podcast. Gary Trust, Billboard Senior Director of Charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, a chart manager here at Billboard. You mean at Billy Board? What? We're going to be talking Billy Eilish this week. So it's Billy Board this week. Oh, okay. Um, okay, yeah. Billy Board. Uh, so yeah, talking Billy Eilish uh, this week. Uh, we're going to bring in a couple uh, of our editors, Lindsay Havens and Andrew Unterberger. Uh, Happen to be Billie Eilish super fans. So we're going to get into uh, Billie's success so far and uh, what success uh, lies ahead as her uh, debut LP, When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? Uh, looks easily set to debut at number one on the Billboard 200 uh, this coming Sunday is when we'll likely announce it with uh, perhaps over 275,000 equivalent album units in the first week. How big is that? the second biggest debut of the year after only uh, Ariana Grande's Thank You Next, which had 360,000. So uh, Ariana Grande obviously been out for, what, five or six years now. Billie Eilish, uh, she's been been bubbling under, but I think for a lot of people, she's really new. So to have that kind of debut, we're going to get into, well, how is she doing that? Yeah, so we're going to talk to Lindsay and Andrew, figure out what exactly has made Billie Eilish this kind of out-of-the-box force. But before we look at somebody who... People are maybe going as far as to peg as the new sound, a new model of artist for pop music going forward. We'll take a look at some of the current pop queens and some chart action that they have going on, specifically Ariana Grande and Lady Gaga hitting some chart feats this week. Yep, uh, that's coming up. Uh, also, so uh, last week uh, we mentioned how uh, I had seen Mariah Carey the night before we taped uh, last week, uh, last Monday night. We're just going, I mean, we're just like generation, we're stepping back one, <laughs> one generation at a time. Uh, so yeah, uh, saw, saw Mariah and uh, well, you're seeing Mariah tomorrow night right in Philly. Uh, yeah, that's correct. I will be, uh, if you want, well, I guess it'll be, it'll be too late to say hi. I was going to say, if you want to come say hi, you know, I'll be at the caution show. But of course this airs the day after, so... Know that I was there and you missed your opportunity. Uh, so I'll uh, hold off uh, on my full review until then. But want a little preview of what it's going to sound like, Trevor? I'll say against my better judgment, I do not want this preview, but I... You want it to be a full surprise? I know you've been talking about this all day, so you're very excited about whatever you snuck out of Radio City. So let's hear it. Here, 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 here's a little bit of what it sounded like last week.
100 number one. Most of my all soloists. I wondered if she was going to sing that song, actually. Yeah. That was actually, uh, well, again, I'll save full review for next week, but one of the many highlights of the show. So uh, glad uh, she did that one. So that's what you're in for uh, tomorrow night. Uh, also, I uh, mentioned last week I was going to see Maggie Rogers. Saw her uh, last Friday night uh, at Hammerstein Ballroom here in New York. Uh, here's what that show sounded like. I don't know if you can tell in that clip, Trevor, of Light On, but people were singing along to that song, some of the loudest singing along I've ever heard in any concert. So I know we're going to be talking a lot of uh, Billie Eilish and, and super fans. Maggie Rogers, same kind of thing. The fans just seem to really be uh, singing along to album cuts, just uh, completely into uh, just the, the singing. A lot. That's what really hit me, just how loud everyone was singing along. Yeah, she seems like she has that kind of, um, I don't want to necessarily say small fan base, but like a... If, if it's a small but mighty, you know, like those who know, kind of like uh, like a Carly Jepsen or somebody like who just feels like if you're riding with her, like you are all in 100 percent fully invested. Well, the, the song too, the part you heard where people really, uh, really shouted out the you should be so happy now. That's it's a very personal lyric where Maggie was uh, she'd signed the Capitol. Everyone was saying, oh, you should be so happy now. And she was having uh, some trouble uh, uh, struggling uh, to uh, figure out what it's like to, to be in that spotlight. So, yeah, I think that's a part of it, too. They really identify with with her story uh, personally. Punching concert tickets left and right. I didn't get much sleep uh, last week. But uh, another show I saw was at Rockwood. That's a little piece of Love Gone Wrong by Lula Wiles. Great Americana trio uh, out of Maine, uh, based in Boston. Uh, Great show all around. And yeah, I think I need some sleep after last week. (laughs) Or I'm going to become a professional bootlegger and just keep playing live clips of shows I've gone to. A professional bootlegger. Yeah, well, uh, tax day is coming up. Just slide that on your W-2. And see how quickly it takes the uh, the IRS to come after you. All right. Here's this week's top ten on the Billboard Hot 100. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Number ten. I'm a sucker for you. I'm a sucker for you. 
number eight. Number seven. I just poured something in my cup. I've been wanting something I can feel. Promise I am never letting up. Money in your phone will make you real. Number six. I wanna raise your spirits. I want to see you smile. No, that means I'll have to leave. Number five. Please me, baby. Turn around and just tease me, baby. You know what I want and what I need, baby. Let me hear you say, please. Let me hear you say, please. Number four. So you can take advantage of me. Tell me how to feel sitting up there. Feeling so high, but too far away to hold me. You know I'm the one who put you up. Number three. Then you're left in the dust. Unless I stuck by ya. You're a sunflower. I think your love will be too much. Or you'll be left in the dust. Number two. It's a moment when I show up, got I'm saying wow. Honey, bands in my pocket, it's on me. Yeah, your grandma will probably know me. Get my bottles, these bottles are lonely. It's a moment when I show up, got I'm saying wow. And number one. Seven rings is just the gift that keeps on giving. If you've been keeping track, that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks at number one for the Ariana Grande track. Uh, Ariana fans, chart fans will note that now with eight weeks at number one, that is the longest that any Ariana Grande song has spent at the top spot. Thank you, Next, the title track, previous single from her album. Thank you, Next. Seven weeks at number one at the end of last year, into this year. So... Already, Ariana, we fans waiting for so long, so many years to get that first number one. Now she's got two and altogether 15 weeks at number one. So when the number ones do arrive, they come quick and they do not give up that top spot quickly. You know who's number one on iTunes right now? Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande with with Victoria Monet, new song Monopoly. Mm. Yeah, that Monday surprise, people thought it was maybe an April Fool's joke, but nah, Monday surprise. She kind of been teasing it for a minute, so um, really, it just kind of falls right into the narrative that Ariana's wanted to paint is she put out her album Sweetener in 2017. People thought that was just going to kind of follow the same trajectory, you know, three, four, maybe five singles, do the world tour, then take a break and, you know, take a year or two off before the next album. She has just rewritten this playbook, wants to put out what she wants, when she wants. Obviously, that has not damaged her chart or track record at all. If anything, it's only grown bigger and bigger. So, you know, once again, here we are. I mean, putting singles out like she's Drake. Yeah, and uh, Victoria, uh, Monet, especially uh, 
no stranger to a heaven hit. She co-wrote Thank You, Next, and Seven Rings. So recently in the podcast, we talked to Neomza, one of the co-writers. So Victoria Monet, uh, not just uh, writing, but now putting out a duet with Ariane. We'll see see where that is on the Hot 100 next week. Yeah, the Monday release will be kind of interesting. It's already about halfway through the tracking week. So you wonder if it's going to have enough juice in three days to get there. Not impossible, but obviously makes the job a little bit harder for yourself. But at the same time, it feels like you know, the top of the chart's pretty ripe for uh, for a new song to come in and take over. We've seen, obviously, think Seven Rings, number one for eight weeks. A lot of songs been in there, the same vein for the past six, seven, eight weeks. So past couple months, pretty steady. But if it's not going to be the new Ariana song, and we're still waiting on that new Rihanna music, please, God, maybe it'll be Post Malone back in the top spot. He's already been there this year with the song Sunflower with Sway Lee from the Spider-Man soundtrack, which was the number one hit for a week earlier this year. Uh, the song Wow, which actually came out on Christmas Eve, hitting a new peak on the Hot 100. One of these songs that have been bubbling around the top 10, top five for a while now. Now at number two, the highest it's been yet. So, I mean, only one spot higher to go than two. And the race was actually... Really close this week. Yeah. So um, maybe that'll play out in post favor next week. Well, first full tracking week after the new official video for this was he really updated the video. We were going with that Christmas theme video the whole time. Now it's uh, more fitting for the season. Yeah. I mean, like an actual clip with his full 3D face and yeah. everybody in it. Yep. So, uh, yep. Up to uh, number two, number one, also on hot R&B hip hop songs and number one on hot rap songs. All right. Uh, you heard back at number 10, Shallow, Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Yeah, talk a little bit more about that. Should we do, Trevor, a shallow deep dive? I'm I'm stunned into silence. I guess we must continue. So uh, number- where, where does he? I mean, really, we got somebody got to keep. Uh, there's got to be a listener out there. Please keep track of these. Like I, at the end of the year, I want somebody to submit a report to me of all the puns that Gary has used. Number one on digital song sales for a tenth week. It's only the twelfth song ever to do that in. Uh, Decade and a half, the digital song sales have been tracked. Uh, longest leading number one on that chart ever by a woman in a lead role. So it passes uh, Hollaback Girl by Gwen Stefani at nine weeks number one. What a throwback. Had a good run. That was probably like, the, like one of the first number ones on that even that whole chart even. Wow. Yeah. Hollaback Girl. Damn, what a time. So yeah, uh, number one for 10 weeks. At the same time, I should point out, it sold 28,000 copies this week. That's the lowest since 2005. So uh, Green Day, Boulevard of Broken Dreams, sold 21,000 uh, on uh, January 1st, 2005 was the chart week. <laughs> Nothing been uh, that low since this week. So uh, more shows just where digital sales are going at this point. At, at the same time, uh, Shallow streamed 16 million times in the U.S. this week. So uh, the consumption, it's, it's kind of hard to compare because obviously there was no way to stream uh, Green Day 16 million times in 2005. So consumption has just shifted. Uh, also, uh, top 10 on radio songs this week, Shallow. I know I've been uh, mentioning a lot on the podcast how uh, uh, the life of Shallow, it, it was uh, big at the start back in October. And uh, at radio, it, it was kind of a, in the 30s for a long time uh, on the radio songs chart. It, it all goes back to uh, the Grammys and the Oscars uh, winning the awards and the performance. Ever since then, the song just deep into its life has just exploded. So it went to number one on the Hot 100, still in the top 10. And now finally, uh, top 10 on radio songs. It's Gaga's first top 10 on radio songs since this song. Applause, 
applause the guy got the impact of the different time different place it's just astounding to me how it whatever programmers took this long to wake up to the song that's that's mm. don't call me up i'm going out tonight feeling good and i out of my life don't want to talk about us gotta leave it behind one drinking out of my mind i'm not together baby i'm on the high and you're alone going out of your mind but i'm here out in the club and i don't want to talk also, debuting on the Hot 100, down at number 97, but interesting debut for Mabel. Song is Don't Call Me Up, a big hit in the UK where she's from, number three, a hit on the official UK singles chart, making its way over here now, top 25 in the Pop Songs Airplay chart. Uh, you might know her family, her mother, had this song, a hit number three on the Hot 100 back in 1989. Cherry, Buffalo Stance. And her uncle is Eagle Eye Cherry. Had the song. Save tonight. Fight the break of dawn. Come tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll be gone. Save tonight. Fight the break of dawn. Come tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll be gone. Save tonight. And her uh, Mabel's uh, grandfather is Don Cherry famous uh, jazz musician from uh, broke through in the 60s too so third generation artist damn it's almost like when you have you know a famous athlete parents whatever it's like no pressure just just deliver a, a hit just like us keep going keep keep that's like how you keep the family name going yeah keep well, it on the charts or, or uh, you inherit the, the talent as well so that helps you out uh, also, uh, one other uh, chart we wanted to mention this week we, we don't usually mention this chart but the Social 50 debut at number 20 I guess maybe this is like a big debate in the classical world, I guess it would be, but I, uh, one of our favorite composers, Johann Sebastian Bach. Yeah, number uh, 20 this week on the Social 50 chart, which uh, BTS has been number one in that chart for over two years. Uh, a lot of K-pop on there, a lot of acts uh, like Ariana Grande who are having uh, current hits. So how does uh, an artist who uh, would be 334 years old uh, right now get on that chart? It was a Google Doodle recently. So that sparked a lot of Wikipedia views, but just kind of funny to see uh, in the middle of all these uh, pop stars, Johann Sebastian Bach uh, from uh, over 300 years ago, still big today. All right. Uh, let's talk Billie Eilish here on the Billy Board Chartbeat Podcast. See? Sounds good already now that you've had a little time to adjust to it. Um, is it? Uh, oh, I, oh, wow. Our production. I love puns. <laughs> At least our our. Audio engineer over there is is a fan. Gary, of course, is all about it. I guess I will be on my way to the peer pressure. Yeah, we'll, we'll workshop it with uh, Lindsay Havens and Andrew Unterberger, our guest this week coming on uh, from Billboard's edit department, uh, talking all things Billie Eilish. Uh, again, she's headed, looks like, uh, pretty certainly for number one on the Billboard 200, over 275,000 equivalent album units in its first week, uh, looking like the second biggest debut of the year after only uh, Ariana Grande's Thank You Next. So uh, how has she gotten this big this quickly? And really... Uh, not doing it the normal uh, way with uh, a major pop hit 
Uh, she's got her own sound, really interesting song style to the way she writes. Just, just her whole vibe is, is really different. So we're going to get into uh, all things uh, popularity of Billie Eilish with Lindsay and Andrew coming up on the Billy Board Chappie Podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Billy. What do you want from me? Why don't you run from me? What are you wondering? Why do you know? Why aren't you scared of me? Why do you care for me? When we all fall asleep, where do we go? Andrew and Lindsay, welcome to the Billboard Sharpie Podcast. Come here. Thank you so much for having us. It's quite an honor. Lindsay, first time? First time, yeah. Long time listener, I'm sure. It's been a long wait list, so I'm happy to be here. All right, my first question, which uh, I'm not sure what kind of response this is going to get. Should we call this the Billy Board Chartbeat Podcast? Absolutely. Billy Eilish. We have, we, we have one, <laughs> one resounding yes, one uh, echoing the, silence. The tentative no, I'll say, and until we... Uh, can we like brand ourselves as Billy Board for the week? I think we should. We should do a full takeover. Yeah, right? let's. I don't know, will that will that fit on the masthead? I feel like we have like a very like very, very specific amount of space. I don't know. We'll have to make the entire font smaller. I guess. <laughs> I think when I the know. idea is that good, we'll worry about all yeah, the details. Yeah, you have, have to talk to the design department about that one. I think get, get their official okay. Uh, all right. So Billie Eilish headed for number one on the Billboard 200 with over uh, 275,000 equivalent album units in the first week. And which, climbing. Yeah, and climbing, and uh, that'd be the second biggest debut of the entire year. Uh, after Ariana with Thank You Next, 360,000. Uh, start with, are you guys surprised at that number? A little bit because sometimes, you know, working in music, it's hard to get a sense of who's actually big, like, in the world. Um, I know everyone here is a huge fan of Billy, but to see it pull in that big of numbers, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised by that. Uh, I'm not super surprised. I mean, you you know that, that I live to be a... Uh... You know, like trawling the, the 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 Spotify daily top two hundreds and kind of going deep on the numbers there. And you you look at it, and like even when she doesn't have a new song out, she like regularly has seven or eight songs that are streaming among the best songs in the country. Uh, so you, I mean, the, the 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 fan base appetite for her is is on a level that only a handful of artists, one of one of whom being Ariana Grande, uh, is at right now. So I I really thought that, that there was going to be a, unless this was a dramatically underwhelming album or a dramatic left turn in some weird way. I was pretty sure that she was going to do some pretty serious business on this album and it, it's a solid album. So uh, mm-hmm. I know I, I think this is about where probably about where I would have pegged her. So you're talking about how many people here are fans of hers. It, it doesn't seem like just fans, like just total super fans. I mentioned on the 
um, the Must Hear Music podcast earlier last or late last hey, week. Trevor, have you been a guest on the Must Hear Music podcast? <laughs> uh, I have, actually. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I wasn't there for that one. I, that's, exactly that's, why. Why. <laughs> that's exactly why I was the guest for that episode. Um, I was saying how I've, I've been a fan of Billy's for almost three years now, and Joe was kind of like, that's not possible because she feels so new. But Ocean Eyes, she was 13 when that came out. She's 17 now. Um, so, yeah, I've, I'm definitely a super fan. Been following her for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Although, you know, we, we talk about everyone in the office being a fan. It's interesting that, that this album has brought a couple of the like the non-fans out of the woodwork oh, around yeah. here. Like I, I've, I've talked to a couple of people who haven't necessarily been haters, but they're, I've definitely heard a couple like, eh, I feel like I might be too old to be listening to this sort of, sort of sentiments. Uh, I won't, she honestly won't names, is the first but... artist, I think, that has made me feel old. Oh, yeah. Uh, she well, not, not the first wild. for me certainly. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> you know I can date that back to High School Musical twelve years ago. But uh, certainly uh, she, you know she she makes people feel feel their age a little bit. And and this album is like a really interestingly like teenage album. Mm-hmm. I think you know she 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 she's so far ahead of her years in a lot of ways. But also on this album, you know, there's like a lot of inside jokes and like you know, office samples and. Songs yeah. named after like apps or, or app games or the something. Puzzle yeah, the one. puzzle one. Yeah, yeah. so like it, it's 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 definitely like she's not trying to hide the fact that she's she's a seventeen year old kind of unexpectedly breaking out on this level. I think a lot of it too. I was surprised to hear that people were listening to it who I wouldn't expect, but I think it's curiosity. Mm-hmm. Like at this point, you know, she's getting such major press, like redefining pop stardom. I don't even think she wants like she doesn't want to be a pop star. Um, but everything is so sensationalized around her that I feel like if you work in this industry or just are a casual music listener at all, you almost have to familiarize yourself a little bit with the album. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of people are, are only sort of now catching up to her. And, and so to kind of to make up for the fact that they're like a little bit late to the party and that they have to go doubly hard on, yeah. on, on it to make up for it. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's certainly like a, a four quadrants type album uh, for this time of year. And there haven't been that many so far in 2019. It's it's basically been her and Ariana. and. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, Juice World maybe, but but and, and I don't I don't feel like a lot of other albums are kind of driving the discussion that this is. But what's driving that super fandom? Is it her uniqueness? What what are what are all the things that are combining for that? For me, I think it's she's just like the full package. Like I I like her style. I like her vision. I like how she works with her brother. I think a huge part of shout this, out to Phineas. <laughs> no, really, the way I've been describing. To, to the few friends I have, not, I mean, I have more friends, but to the few friends I have who aren't familiar with Billy, <laughs> that's the full sentence there. <laughs> Leave it in. It is what it is. Um, I've been kind of describing Billy Eilish more of as a duo because I really do not think this album would be what it is or she would be who she is without the production. Like, that's such a huge part of what makes this so cool and so fun. So, yeah, massive shout out to Phineas. Um but yeah, I mean, it's it's something that I haven't heard of before, and her sound is just so distinctly hers, and that's I think what's driving a lot of this. When you say full package, that's such that's such an interesting phrase to me because it feels like Charles is going to be mad because she doesn't dance, isn't he? No, but I'm saying like an industry lore, like you know, full package would be mm-hmm, somebody mm-hmm. like a like a Taylor or a Beyonce, somebody who you know she looks great, she sings great, she you know does all these perfect things, she gets great interviews, she's going to be you know appealing to the young and the old. She and is all that. You, okay, I think so, so. So you think like it's well, I'm thinking like this full is full package. So the the definition of full package is expanding, or she at least is what the new sort of pop full package is in a lot of ways. I think she's the new, like what the new artist full package is. Um, she's She seems it, like in the know on what's going on on the business side of her career. She's heavily involved in her merch. Like she made a, her own fashion line around it, which I think is smart and kind of new for a lot of artists to be doing to that extent at least. 
um, yeah, she's she has a cool image for herself that people want to get behind. People want to look like her. Um, when I did the a radio programmer's piece talking about Billie Eilish, one of them predicted that there's going to be a post Billie wave, and I laughed. But I, then I was like, "You're right, man. <laughs> like <laughs> it's coming, and it'll be here soon." I think. Yeah, and she's awesome at social media. I can't remember if we talked about that as like part of the totally. full package, but like that that's a big part of the recipe for her. Like. I mean, you, specifically you Instagram. Like, she's yeah. not on Twitter at all. It, which, which goes to show about like how she makes us feel old. Like, like Twitter's exactly. now like old people social media. Yeah, like, but she's on Instagram. She's she's had millions of followers for years now, and mm-hmm. like that kind of that, that kind of established her as a star even before she had necessarily like the catalog to support stardom. Uh, you know, she's she, she's she's still relatively. I mean, this is this is her debut album. She's she's had an EP before this and a couple kind of loose singles, but she's still like a relatively new artist to be on to be. The kind of size that she, the kind of scale that she's already at. Like I was talking about it with our, our co-editor Jason Lipschitz, and we were talking about how this is this is really one of the most anticipated debut albums in mm-hmm. the pop realm that we can remember that isn't coming from somebody like a Harry Styles or Justin Timberlake, where they already have like a, another group that, that they've, they've come from and like kind of established art in that way. But she 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 was a celebrity even before she was ever on the radio. So uh, that and that combined with the fact that she can she can sing really well. Like I, I, that's that's sort of an underrated part of uh, of, of her artistry as well. But she can sing. She's a great songwriter. As Lizzie said, she's got an incredible style uh, and and just like kind of a fun personality in general. And 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 seems really comfortable in in pretty much every situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, yeah, it, it is sort of a new mold for pop stardom in 2019, and I think it's great. Yeah, talk about her personality. I think if you just look at the pictures on the album work, mm. and every time you see a picture, she's kind of uh, giving this glare, and it's it. She 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 says, "I I know I come off as kind of scary, just the way yeah. I look." But then uh, watching the Ellen interview, you see in her interview, she she really comes off as fun, and totally. you don't get that from the artwork. Yeah. It seems like uh, she's got a lot of different sides to her personality, and that's probably where a lot of her fans are connecting on whichever side. Yeah, and she has like a like a, a definite confidence to her, which is really un- unusual for mm-hmm. a seventeen year old, especially one who does seem to have like kind of an alternative sort of uh, personality. And you know, she talks about suffering from Tourette's and and you know talks about a lot of her insecurities and anxieties. But she can hold her own with Ellen, which is not something most people my age could do, let alone people half my age. Yeah, uh, so I could. Oh, you're, you're you're considerably more than half my age, Trevor. But thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, it's 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 a it's a really impressive that that she's already sort of gotten to to this level of like adult pop stardom, while still feeling very much like a teenager and, and mm-hmm. still feeling authentic to the teenage experience. And so she's able to kind of play it from both sides, and that's part of the reason why I think her appeal is so broad. Yeah, I think that underdog element. I think it really connects with people, and uh, it's not yeah. just I'm this polished pop star that I can't relate to. This is oh, this could be me. Yeah, I also think just because. As Andrew was saying, you know, she was sort of this star before her album even came out. A lot of people felt like they knew her um, in a way that oftentimes when you get when you get a debut album from someone, you don't get that necessarily. Like, like I said, I feel like I've been following her for three years. That's a long time to get to know someone before they really blow up. And I haven't had that before. You talk about her song structure. Uh, I, I would think the unpredictability is such a key to her appeal as well, because uh, these aren't typical pop songs on any level. No. It's, it's, some songs just don't have traditional choruses. It's just some of those interesting... I'm probably blowing Gary's mind out there. <laughs> how, how, why would you make well, a song without a central exactly. hook? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've gotten to watch that there was a, uh, a New York Times video mm-hmm. that kind of broke down the making of Bury a Friend. Uh, but they they did a kind of thing where where both Billy and Phineas kind of mapped out the songs like 
like verse, chorus, bridge, <laughs> hook, pre-chorus, and and and, and they kind of lined it up with what a normal song looks like, and it's it, it, you know it's 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 totally uh totally far afield from that. Uh, and the, my favorite part of that video was at the very end of it, uh, Phineas says something like, uh, or I, I can't remember which I can't remember which one of them says it, but one of them says something like, uh, "You realize after this, we get to do whatever we want, right?" Yeah, I think that was Phineas. Yeah, and and it seems like that's the case. Uh, you know, they've they've totally subverted what a pop single sounds like, but you know that song was a top twenty hit, and there's going to be more to come off this album, and that that's that's a pretty tremendous thing. Still, it feels weird to call her a pop star, to call this oh, yeah. a pop album. And I think that's something a lot of people like, how do you how do you talk about her and the music that she's making? It's almost like the rest of us aren't there yet, <laughs> like are ready to dissect this because there's no like it isn't one genre, you know. And I think that's something I was talking about with my roommate is, you know, all the credit to Billy for making this. But I also feel like that's sort of a sign of the times right now where this is one of the first artists and the first albums to break through in this seemingly post-genre landscape now, thanks to playlisting and people doing whatever they want with music. And so I think it's 50-50, you know. She really took control of that and was able to capitalize on it. But it's also, like, the first time we're seeing an artist who's grown up in that landscape come out with something. So you're a tough guy, like you're really rough guy. Just can't get enough guy, just always so puff guy. I'm that bad type, make your mama sad type, make your girlfriend mad type, might seduce your dad type. I'm the bad guy. Duh. I don't know if you want to call it a normal pop song, but like the bad guy off the new album, at least it kind of feels feels like a pop song. It feels like a big song. It's like the last like minute. And yeah, that like, goes not- like. You know, it kind of goes left field, but yeah. One of yeah. my friends, I, so I'm obsessed with that song right now, and they were like, <laughs> "Oh, well, obviously the the." The um, guitar sounds like a White Stripes chord almost. Huh. And ever since they said that, I can't get it out of my head. And I, I agree with it now, but I'm I'm curious. Well, that explains a lot about the kind of convergence of, of Lindsay Tay, certainly. If, sure does. Uh, Billie Eilish <laughs> would be writing White Stripes songs. I haven't heard that, but I'll, I'll have to go back and listen to it now. Yeah, I think you might hear it now. Okay. I think the verses to Bury a Friend are actually very traditional, kind mm-hmm. of sing-songy. But mm-hmm. that's, I think everything else, she's just kind of just kind of doing her own thing. And I'm sure that's yeah. what's uh, catching people. I mean, I, I know one thing that kind of got me, especially when I saw some of the Twitter, like just not even the reaction, but just the buzz from people who kind of to Lindsay's point, people who I didn't think were you know paying attention to the fact this album was coming out or mm-hmm. ready for it. Um, also, we think a lot of genre bending. I mean, there's 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 some hip hop influence in there oh, that totally. I think is so is so <clears throat> ripe and probably one of the reasons that she's, you know, appealing to sort of a fan base that she made, you know, a pop star, quote unquote, would not necessarily straight up appeal to. I mean, you have a song called Zanny, for God's sake. <laughs> Which is a ballad of all things. <laughs> <laughs> like a jazzy ballad. Flip it too, on yeah. its head. Yeah. I mean, that drop, I still think that drop and you should see me in a crowd is like, I, when I first heard the song, I I swear I was like, let's, okay, let's see what this is about, you know. And, oh, and, um, nothing and I was like, you know, here. I was like, yeah, it was whatever. And then that drop happened. I was like brushing my teeth or whatever. And I was like. And like I had to like, like dramatic I, spit I, take. I jump back because I was like I was like what I, I was like wait a, wait a, I had to like play it back I was like, it was it's it was crazy so good. and I just think um I mean I just yeah I just think like you're right Lindsay maybe this is something that ten years ago would have never worked just because yeah. it felt like radio stations would have never known what lane to put her in it's not a beat it's not she's she's too weird she's too weird looking but mm-hmm. uh, yeah I mean maybe this is uh, we've talked so much about sort of how. I guess maybe this year pop is back on track, but in the past couple of years, how pop has kind of died off and that 
crop of 2000s, maybe even early 2010s pop stars is just gone by the wayside. And maybe this is sort of what rises from the ashes in some way. One thing we haven't touched on yet is um, her live performance, too, which I think goes back to being a full package. Like for being as young as she is, it looks like she's been on stage for years for her whole life. I don't know if anyone else has seen her live. Hoping to catch her. Radio City in uh, in June, I think. Exclusive domain on this. Man, yeah. I mean, I'm so excited for her to take over festival season this year. I just think it's the perfect time for her to capitalize on everything that's coming her way. She'll be headlining this time next year, I think. Which is wild. I I did one of her first interviews maybe maybe a year or two ago Mm -hmm. about um, women further down the bill on festival lineups. And she was like, look, man. Give me a year. Like, I'm going to be headlining. The boys can do it. I can do it. I don't see why not. And Damn. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you believe, like, did you know? I, I mean, happen? I did. She speaks with, like, such confidence where I was like, like, yeah, you're right. You will. I'm like, I don't know how you'll get there, but it'll happen. <laughs> and sure enough, I can see it without a doubt now. So um, for those who, I guess, can't click over to a new tab and type in Billie Eilish Live. Try to like give Try us a sense describe. of what what makes her feel like she's. I got think this what's fascinating. Um, so she's so explosive during songs like "You Should See Me in a Crown," and then she'll bring out a ukulele and all of a sudden do a song like "My Boy" or something, and it's just like totally stripped down. And she could go from zero to a hundred, like with a snap of her fingers, and it feels so seamless. And no matter the tempo of the song or the feel, it still fits in a live setting. You know, like oftentimes you wouldn't want to hear a ballad at a festival, but from Billy you do. <laughs> um, and then she could bring the energy right back up. I mean, not just the performance, but I guess the whole package about even the set list, knowing which songs bleed into which, what other songs well, like that full experience is just already kind of set. Yeah, it's awesome. Like the lighting, you know, I've seen her a few times, but she just, everything works well with her. Like because she's wearing clothes that lend themselves to like movement so she could jump around and she she can jump high. Underrated part of pop star, it was the high jump. Got that vertical, yeah. And she has her brother up there with her. Like, there's an element of live instrumentation too, which I think is really nice and maybe a surprise to some people. Um, And the lighting is going off, and it's just it creates such like this energy in the room that perfectly matches the music that you hear. And where did you see her? Just so I saw her at Bowery Ballroom, which is to this day one of my favorite shows I've ever seen. I saw her do um, a really small live taping for something. Uh, but, you know, there were like a few hundred people in there and same energy. It was awesome. And then, man, I've seen her one other time, I think, at a festival, but I don't remember which one. You were talking about this uh, potential post-Billy wave yeah. of other artists who sound like her. It's so authentic with her. Mm-hmm. I guess it's kind of a hard thing. You can't copy this. People are going to see through if if people are attempting yeah. to to, I can do all these different things. I can have this type of image. I think part of it is just she's just following her own muse. And if you're mm-hmm. going to try to copy that, it better be authentic if it's going to connect. Yeah. I mean, my two thoughts on that. I'm worried if Phineas starts producing with other artists, which I know he already has, Ooh. like that, that's going to be interesting to me because like I said, he's a huge part of what makes this album so specific to Billy. Um, so I wonder if he's going to have to like reel it in at all um, if he works with someone else. But the other part, I almost think it's more of like the aesthetic of Billy that we'll see a, a post wave of. Like, I would dress like her if I could hold <laughs> off. <laughs> um, and I guess, out of curiosity, because yeah. maybe we'll start a culture war, I don't know. So, <laughs> well, only Always a risk day, with the Sharpie whatever. podcast. Well, yeah. only, well, well you, you say a po- sort of a, if, a, if the post-Billy wave is like what pop stars will be made of going forward, mm-hmm. who is like, who is right now the current model that that is going to go out of style? Mm, good question. 
Like we're seeing that post Gaga, post Beyonce, post Taylor, post Adele. Like I don't know who who is who is on the chopping block. I'm just curious because like yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering who set the tempo for this moment in pop. If Billie Eilish is going to be the next, well, is it too fast to say Drake? We're living in a post Drake world. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not theorizing. I, I am merely offering as a possibility. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that she can get these streams in an yeah. era where it's mostly hip hop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, does, yeah we, we've talked about this out. a lot for 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 pretty much every major success story this year. Is that it really hasn't been? I mean, aside, again, aside from Juice World, it really hasn't been rappers that have putting, been putting forth the most major streaming numbers. It's been Lady Gaga and the Jonas Brothers and Halsey and Ariana, uh, Ariana Grande and, and, and now Billie Eilish. So it, it's. It's interesting to see it kind of. Sw- I, I, I thought we were at we were sort of at a point where it felt like okay, rap is only ever going to get bigger, yeah, and and pop is only ever going to get smaller. And obviously, there's a ton of crossover in between the two, and and it would be reductive to say that pop is defeating hip hop when pop is taking incredible amounts of influence from hip hop. Yeah, but it does feel like we're at sort of at the other end of the pendulum finally. Y'all wait, Kendrick and Kendrick, Kendrick <laughs> yeah, that's true. Coming. Cardi uh, B new album yeah, could yeah. be coming. Uh, certainly, like this is this is by no means fait accompli on on the, on the rap streaming age, but it's just interesting that now there is sort of another side to it. Where for for a long time it seemed like it was just hip hop and you know, kind of a too big fail, too big to fail moment for it. A lot of the uh, comps we've heard about Billie Eilish, maybe the two that are most uh, come up the most, Lana Del Rey and Lord. Are those mm-hmm. are those feared? Have we had this conversation before? We're just forgetting now that we're in the Billie Eilish moment, or were we thinking the same things back then, or are they really different? Lord, I can see. Um, someone the other day tweeted, and they're like, "Lord would like a word," <laughs> um, which you know, in a lot of ways, like that's fair. Um, I think people are a little bit too quick to forget what Lord did for pop music. Lana, I don't see as much. That one confuses me a little bit in terms of comparisons. Uh, I, I can see it in that, like they're both very obviously like their own monolithic thing. Like mm-hmm. immediately, like you, instantly, like you, like from the first time you heard Lana Del Rey, you sort of got it, and and it wasn't like anything quite that you had heard before. I mean, there were obviously other reference points, but like Lana Del Rey already seemed like Lana Del Rey from the first song, and it's sort of only grown from there. Where and it's the same sort of thing as Billy, where like she doesn't necessarily have major pop hits, but she just kind of like every, every song makes her feel more like Lana Del Rey, this 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 major star. Uh, so I can sort of see that there, but I, I agree with you that musically and in, in terms of just where she's coming from, it probably is more more in common with Lord. Now, yeah. Gary, I, I'm dying to know. I've been dying to know this entire interview. What do you think of this Billie Eilish album? Do, do, do you find a way in or how, how, does, how does it work for you? And that's why when I bring up Bury a Friend, the verses, that to me is the most traditional sounding song structure. So, so beholden to tradition, Yeah, Gary. No, it just that's what catches my ear. I grew up on, on 80s pop, so that's okay. usually uh, my way. Well, there, there was some weirdness songs, but, in 80s pop too, certainly. That, yeah. that was not a time averse to weird pop. Yeah. <clears throat> Speaking as a, as a child of the 90s, I, I, I appreciate – going back again to like that, that alternative aspect, I appreciate to have somebody in the mainstream who's legitimately weird. Uh, and like, like to me, like the first time I heard the, the, the first time that Billie Eilish really clicked with me was a song called Copycat, which, it, which also has that same kind of growling hook that, uh, that you should see me in a crown does. And like, when I heard this, I was like, what, this is like nine inch nails. Like I, I haven't heard anything like this since the nineties. And, and so it speaks to me on that level. No, Billy, I haven't done that dance since my wife died. There's a whole crowd of people out there who need to learn how to do the scar. Don't ask questions. Well, one thing I thought, you don't know. sort of in that post-millennial world, um, 
I mean, my strange addiction, so, uh, having the office sample. <laughs> I mean, who can get away with putting an office? I mean, who would, first of all, who would even think, uh, let's, sample, let's sample the office? And then not only, you know, to just do that, but to make it work. And it's it's, a, it's an official track. It's not some SoundCloud joint. It's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe Drake could get away with it, I guess, in some way if he, you know, because buried deep one of his albums and everybody just, you know, would go, oh, my God, Drake is great. But I just think like like even that kind of choice just represents sort of a new type of artist that I don't think anybody before, you know, no label or anybody would let you sort of get away with that. That's that's I mean. They thought Taylor Swift naming her album 1989 was too weird. That big machine. <laughs> I mean, imagine if you would come to them with this kind of proposition. So I think to the point about, you know, if we really are in this new, the moment of a new pop star and a new pop era, I mean, things like that, you know, that internet play, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And on an album where there's like all these, you know, nightmares and spiders and drugs like like that's the most perverse thing on the album to me is that <laughs> office sample like it, it, it's that sort of like kind of like normcore stuff clashing with her super left field sensibilities that makes it such like a singular album i think uh and and, and probably means that it's able to, to kind of appeal to everybody yeah, i think it's great that pop uh pop radio was playing or you talk about a uh, pop needing a, a weird mm-hmm. uh, pop star i think yeah in years past you wouldn't have uh, you're talking like 80s alternative, Andrew. Uh, you know, Bjork never would have, yeah. to use an example, like 80s sure. and 90s, never would have had this kind of pop play with songs that sounded like her. Maybe Bjork in the streaming it. age, who knows yeah. what kind of number she exactly. would have done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm curious about, I mean, we know the fans are out there. We know the commercial receptions out there. I was thinking when you're talking about like this makes this a singular album, I was like, is this like an album of the year album? Is she is she a hmm. best new artist candidate? What is the what does the establishment <laughs> seem to think of her? Do we know what 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 it feels like the the old guard is is dismissing her whatever is she a threat what's the Lindsay's got this weird I'm look on her my face well, <laughs> one of the things that I I think I've seen a lot of is that I think people's opinions have been buried a little bit because everyone wants to seem with it so everyone's covered her and everyone's sensationalized her to seem from the outside like we get it yeah. like we were late but we we get it now um you know, like everyone's covered her, even places that I never would have expected to, and everyone's praising her. But I I haven't seen a review where I'm just like, this feels really honest yet. Um, I mean, Jason Lipschitz here did a really strong one that called out some of the flaws. But outside of that, it's it's hard to say. And I could see at the Grammys, you know, the Academy trying to be hip and, and prove Some a lot nominations of right at least, maybe not I, the I think, win. But I think she'll for sure get a ton of nominations for this album because it, it's almost like for everything that we've said – it's impossible to deny her at this point. Um, and just as a way of proving like where we get it, I think that alone warrants a few nominations. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about the, uh, the technical qualifications for best new artist. I don't know if she's released too many songs already after last year where, where a lot of the people I thought would definitely be nominated weren't, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. want to make any firm predictions there, but it, it certainly, she, she certainly seems like the best new artist archetype at the very least. Uh, if she is eligible, I have to imagine she'll be nominated and I, I bet she's the front runner to win. But I, I do agree with, with Lindsay about what, about kind of – it feels like a lot of people don't quite know what to say about Billie Eilish yet. They, they're, they're, they, they don't want to come off derisive when, when talking about her because they, they don't want to seem out of touch. But yeah. it seems like a lot of people are sort of trying to find their way in but not quite getting there yet. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it could, could, could lead to a lot of like nominations but not wins maybe where uh, – mm-hmm. Where you know she she and, and I also wonder like what categories she'll be she'll be recognized in. I she, she might kind of have the same sort of dilemma that Lord had a couple years ago, where she's a little bit too alternative for pop, too pop for alternative, et cetera. Uh, but 
I don't think this is going to be the last we hear of her in, in this respect in any event. I think that you know the, she's going to get better from here. She's going to get more mainstream from here, more more clean from here. Like the Jason piece that Lindsay mentioned, you know, he, he he sort of pointed out that like yeah, this is a flawed album. She's seventeen and it's her first album. Like it mm-hmm. should be flawed. Uh, and like what she could do from here is, is you know pretty much has no ceiling. Can you just recap what what are some of those flaws that were brought up in the story? It's 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 a little uneven, and and I think that some of the some of the jokiness, you know, while while it makes it feel more authentically her, it makes it maybe a little bit less accessible to people who aren't you know in her very inner circle. Uh, I personally think the pacing of the album sort of strange. I agree like, with that. Like the, the 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 track that Lindsay was talking about, Zanny, which is like this kind of jazzy ballad, uh, is like the third track on the album, the second full track, which is sort of like it kind of like lets the momentum, you know, lets the air out of the album a little bit. Uh, and bury a friend is like saved until almost the very end, which is sort of a strange choice too. But e- even that, like 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 the, the fact that it, that it's sort of this this lumpy kind of kind of oddball listen, even that feels kind of authentic to her. Mm-hmm. So it, there's really nothing about it about its flaws that makes it feel like a failure on her part. It's just that okay, you know, this is this is sort of her first time doing it, and she just kind of did what she knows best. And maybe next time she'll she'll smooth out the rough patches a little bit, and then we'll be talking about an album of the year contender. You know, Lord wasn't nominated on her first album either. But she was on her second. I'm interested to see where she goes from here now that it's such a big part of the conversation. Like we're seeing with Ariana, like released another album in six months, released a song last week. Like she's also doing whatever she wants, but in a different way than Billy is. Um, so I'm just curious to see what the next step looks like for Billy. You know, for so long she was releasing songs whenever she pleased. It seemed like now they're all on this album. So where does she go from here? Like, do you drop something else before Coachella? Unlikely. After the summer hits, just what are her next steps? How long will this promotion go on? When we sell 275,000 copies first week, where do we go? Uh, Ooh, whoa. Clunky, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, work with me here, Trevor. You know. She just did an interview with Chelsea Briggs, a billboard where she uh, pretty much stopped short of saying she's got a collaboration with Bieber coming out. How does Ooh. that? How does that hit her fans? Who, <laughs> yes. Is that just total great, or is that oh oh she's selling out to be more uh, mainstream pop? No, that's. An, I was also wondering who she's going to collab with next. She has the Khalid song that I loved. Um, I mean, sure, go for Bieber. That sounds awesome. I, th- I think I saw rumors <laughs> of like a, a, a Rosalia collaboration. Yeah. You know, no. I think everyone wants to work with her right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, she'll, she'll have her pick of the litter now, certainly. Uh, and, and yeah, she, she, I, I could see her not releasing an album for another two and a half years and then just kind of popping up on new songs every three or four months with whoever makes sense. I could see her on that Lauryn Hill two decades. Oh, later. don't say that, Trevor. I mean, you never know. You know, I feel like she just plays by her own rules to the point where she might just say, you know, when it's ready, it's ready. And her, her, it'll never be ready. I mean, you never know what goes on behind the scenes, but her, her artistic process seems so, like, free of drama that it, it's, it's hard to imagine, for me at least, to her just disappearing forever. Uh, but you never know. I mean, yeah, the people people have strange reactions to fame, and she's about to hit a level that she, that even she hasn't been on yet. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm I'm just curious. You know, she hasn't been on this extensive of a tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and all this being said, too, like I don't know how long this album actually took to make, but somewhere between three years. And who knows if that was just because it took that long, or this was always the plan. So I don't think we've really been able to process like Billy in the spotlight just yet. Thanks for taking time from listening and uh, thinking about Billie Eilish to come on here and talk about Billie Eilish. This was fun. Yeah, to go back and write about Billie Eilish. <laughs> yeah, we're going to see a lot of Billie in the spotlight going forward, I'm sure. Thanks on. for tuning in to Billie Board. <laughs> see, it's catching up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
That's this week's Billboard Chaffee Podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, talking 1999. It's going to be 1999 week on Billboard.com, uh, reliving uh, music, big events. Uh, turns out this week, 1999, 20 years ago, TLC was number one with no scrubs. Uh, back in the news the last couple of years since uh, Ed Sheeran gave writing credit, uh, co-writing credit for the song Shape of You, uh, reworking. Uh, no scrubs a little too closely. So uh, writing credit wound up being shared. But uh, yeah, originally. Tiny taking that to the bank. Yeah. But uh, yeah, originally uh, 20 years ago, number one on the Hot 100 this week. So a uh, taste of next week's uh, episode. And Andrew will be back uh, next week to talk more things. Uh, 1999. It's TLC. No scrubs. A scrub is a guy that thinks he's fine. Is also known as a buster. Always talking about what he wants and just sits on his broke ass. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.